After a well-deserved break of over a year, we're back at, sorry, checks notes, the jewel in the crown. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going well to well as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX! The world championship record is equals. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world! Okay, I'm not going to lie, I thought you forgot what Monaco was called. oh where are we i've forgotten i i also i didn't think you'd forgotten what it was called but i think i thought you'd forgotten what you were going to say as in the jewel in the crown there's there's an acting career left for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah this doesn't work out for you and there's always the stages that are definitely open or will be anyway um yeah so let's get started um there wasn't a monaco grand prix of 2020 Owing to the pandemic, boo-hoo for me, I was roaring my eyes out with that one. Um, But you have to go all the way back to 2019 to have even the slightest inclination as to what will happen this time round. So let's remind ourselves of qualifying. Hamilton was in first pole position, uh, Bottas second, Max third, uh, Vettel fourth and Pierre Gasly. Back in the days where he was racing for Red Bull, so that's, you know, real ancient times back then. And then the race finished Hamilton, Vettel, Bottas, Max and Gasly again. So if we can learn anything from 2019, if there's any certainty, it's that qualifying very much is king, don't you think? Is is Monaco actually a jewel in the crown though? Because I feel like we had this debate last time. I still fall into the camp of we're not necessarily missing much. In fact, I, I've, um, yeah. I've been looking at people's traditions, Monaco... Because it seems like this is something people do with Monaco. They do something special. Whilst the the rich and famous get into their super yachts and circumnavigate a quarter of the globe to go to a, a fancy swimming pool for a weekend, people at home tend to do interesting things as well. Uh, I saw I read one which was opening champagne and having a barbecue with your mates or just getting drunk just in case the, uh, the race is a bit tedious and a bit of a procession. <laughs> Um, both of which sound great although the super yacht thing also sounds great as well if anyone's uh, interested I, I, I my, my, my DMs are open willing to come on a super yacht going to Monaco um, yeah hmm. so uh, qualifying always matters the most um, for, for Monaco often it is a procession and no one can get past uh, well not without uh, taking off a bit of their body in the process it takes a a very talented driver to get past cleanly and quickly in monaco a a great example of that is when daniel ricardo's uh, electrical power went on his on his red bull meaning it was like 80 horsepower down and kept vettel from overtaking him and uh, he Mm. still won the race which is bizarre and also daft so all eyes are going to be on saturday i certainly hope that we have a, a real fight in in Q3 for, for that podium place. I'm hoping that we're going to have sort of Verstappen looking like he's going to take pole, then suddenly Hamilton out of nowhere will get the fastest lap, and then they're going to be like, right, they've got one more chance, and then it's going to be Bottas. It's going to be Bottas. <laughs> and Bottas will be like, to well, who it concerns, or whatever. Oh, um, <laughs> and, and, and then, because it's Monaco, he'll win. 
because no one get yeah. past him. No, no matter how how badly you mess up, which I suppose is is great for um for Mr. Saturday George Russell, which I think I'm looking at him actually this weekend the mm-hmm, most because mm-hmm. he is Mr. Saturday. If he can get around this pretty darn fast and get into let's say I'm going to be optimistic and say twelfth position. Um, <laughs> he could do that. He could get into twelve. He could get into no. He actually could get to twelve. Yeah, uh, I think he could. He's been eleventh. Yeah, I know. I'm going to be optimistic and say he can do twelfth, <laughs> and then he might actually be mm-hmm. able to stay in twelfth. Or if something goes wrong um, in the race, get up those two positions. I think it's possible to gain two positions, and then because it's Monaco, no one will be able yeah. to get past him. Boom, got some points. Yes, Russell. So yeah, I don't think it's going to be as interesting at the front necessarily, unless it's really close between Verstappen and. and um, Hamilton but I, I'm I'm kind of hoping that those who haven't got points yet and do really well in qualifying this is their moment to to get some points yeah I just going back to the the start um the, the fact it's Monaco this weekend like and obviously we've had this argument so many times <laughs> and I, I, I <laughs> like to argue to keep it on the calendar or whatever because I just think it's a classic um but yeah, it is obviously all about qualifying, um, as you've said, you've both mentioned, and it it puts it puts an interesting amount of pressure, I think, on the drivers, especially the lead drivers, because obviously getting pole is absolutely huge normally. But if you do mess up in Q three, like if you're Lewis, you could start eighth and still win. So it's you know, at a normal track or somewhere like Barcelona where we were the other week. Whereas it puts a lot more pressure on those. Uh, quality laps and I just think that's so much more exciting and like what if them they're on their quality lap and then you know someone has a spin <laughs> or has an incident and there's suddenly a yellow flag that's their lap gone you know that's it they're not on point so I just think it's going to be extra like qualifying is going to mean so much more um and I think as well that it, it could be if you're looking at which team it can benefit the most I feel like it is of more benefit to um red bull in the sense that if like i don't really have to describe it except that if they could then if they could put max on pole with a really quick lap as you've both said as you've said like that's almost like a win and obviously that would be the same for mercedes but in any other race max on pole does it usually results in lewis getting passed but on this occasion this would be his chance to keep it so i think for him it means even more it would mean even more for the team it would mean, mean even more because qualifying on pole for the part for them in the past hasn't led uh to a win he qualified on pole in Bahrain and, and Hamilton won so this is an opportunity for them to sh- again use that quick pace that they have that they do have in quality but then it actually to make to stick and to potentially do quite well I would like to say though but obviously it is known that overtaking is very very difficult but I mentioned this briefly at the end of last week's podcast um, the fact that Formula E was there just a couple of weeks ago and it was genuinely ridiculously exciting <laughs> really 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 good overtakes and a lot so it is possible mm. and, and and Formula E raced on a tight tight circuit like uh, whether it was they did have one change um, I believe to the track but um, you know in general Formula E cars um, for those that have seen the tracks they are racing on are walled and they are tight and so they they you know have to get good at overtaking in these tight spaces and you know that paid off at monaco because it was honestly one of the most exciting races of the season and the the top two were still like swapping positions back and forth back and forth in the final lap um and the, the mahindra racing driver um, alex lynn dropped back a couple of places towards the end 
and to about 10th or 11th and then in the final couple of laps made made his way back up to 8th so it shows like the the the, the action isn't over until the last second and it'd be interesting to see how this race compares because i've seen a lot of people um you know on social media talking about um how great that former race was and like no pressure f1 but like if you're going to be a possession <laughs> then that's going to be a bit rubbish so it's certainly possible and i mean if anyone can do it it's like those top cars those mercedes and so that mm, i'm actually i would say i'm more excited for this one than i have been for a lot of previous Monaco Grand Prix because I think f- partly the Formula E has made me like realize how good it can be, but also because I think obviously we've still got this such tight battle between um, the Red Bull and the Mercedes. Um, obviously, it's less tight than it was because it's about getting on on that top step, and that hasn't been the case with Max. But in power wise and pace wise, it is. So I'm really excited. Yeah, and I think as well, sort of having a break from Monaco is definitely something that for me, who's, you know, not so keen on the circuit, makes me think, oh, Monaco's back. That's um, sort of a nice variety to add back into the calendar. Um, But I wasn't aware until very recently that Max has not only, well, he had a curse at uh, Imola in terms of uh, finishing on the podium and indeed winning the race, but he also seems to have somewhat of a curse at Monaco. So looking at his record, he's raced there five times, his DNF twice, his best qualifying position was third, and he's never actually finished on the uh, podium at all. So his best race result was a fourth place. So um, that makes it such a high-stakes race for not only himself, but also sort of Red Bull. As you said, uh, uh, Liv, the Red Bull car is you know probably, probably the best car to be in uh, versus the Mercedes because it's got such an advantage on the uh, sort of low-speed downforce that it possesses uh, in comparison. But um, but yeah, Max really needs to go and show his quality because if he doesn't win this race and Lewis does, and, you know, he has an incident in qualifying or the race and doesn't even uh, finish second, third, or, you know, even the race, then um, Red Bull could be in some serious trouble, not only for the constructors, but also for Max Verstappen's hopes of challenging Lewis further on into the season. So, um... It's a big race for him, but also I'd say for Perez as well, who also needs to go and uh, prove his worth at Red Bull, uh, particularly considering that you've got other cars here and other drivers that are with a great deal of momentum under their belt that could easily um, sort of score higher than they perhaps ordinarily would at a circuit where overtaking is um, easier, shall we say. Yeah, And Monaco is interesting, as you just alluded to there, because of its slowness. Uh, it does have the slowest tightest corner in the entirety of the uh, of the F1 calendar the hairpin is is incredible and they if you didn't know that in um, the engineers have to set the steering wheel up differently uh, for Monaco so that they can engage more steering lock than they otherwise would on a circuit so that they can get round that corner um, which is which is interesting in itself, and and yeah, that this means that top speed doesn't matter. There's no mm. point being three kilometers an hour faster than your teammate if you can't get there. Um, so this is a great opportunity, I think, for also for other teams like McLaren, maybe, um, which has a nice smooth car. I'm I'm hoping Gasly as well can pull out a bit of magic. I have faith in him, and also I think. Uh, Perez as well. This is his going to be his moment to really 
demonstrate that he he's got qualifying under his belt and he can handle that Red Bull car um, when it matters because Perez is redeeming quality at the moment is he might not do very well in qualifying but then in the race he can catch back up so that's not really going to be an option in 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 this unless Red Bull pull out some magic undercut or overcut strategy but even then it's really difficult on Monaco um that who's going to blink first with the changing of the tires is going to be a very interesting part of the the race on Sunday and we do not want to be seeing a a repetition of when Red Bull messed up Daniel Ricciardo's tire change and lost him out on the oh, on the yeah, win yeah. so that was so we'll be we'll be eyes on really the pit crew and I feel sorry for the pit crew because it, it's <laughs> it is a lot of pressure um when when you're changing the tires in a normal race in Monaco if you mess this up well you're like well there you go <laughs> I was um <laughs> just the other day <laughs> I was watching like a couple of days ago I was watching the Monaco like I was just scrolling on Sky Sports and it had the Monaco race in 2011 I think and I think and um it, within in that the the it was up to the Red Bull crew, which obviously are usually pretty top-notch. Maybe they weren't the case in 2011, but to do um, a double stack um, and in, in Monaco. And the first one went badly wrong. I don't know if they were ready in time, but they were like waving me like, ah, oh, to put really slow. And then obviously the second car was in waiting and it was a really poor pit stop for both. And, you know, that ruined the race for them, both cars. So like, that's just an example of something that could happen. And, and I was going to mention it and then I completely forgot, but when I spoke about all oh, like qualifying is also important stuff but as you've just said Tristan the the um, pit stops are going to be equally as important because th- that could completely change a race and as you say once you're in that new position it's very hard to get back up again <laughs> yeah. so it's all down to the team which is like so much pressure but you know that's their job so <laughs> and safety cars as well uh, I throw another weird spanner into the works and that going from this season so far, we're having quite a lot of accidents, not mm-hmm. to point fingers mm-hmm. at any drivers in particular, oh, but never. spinning out here is particularly bad because there isn't a runoff area, uh, especially if you spin off and, and crash out in somewhere. Into a swimming pool. Like swimming pool, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. That can cause a couple of issues. So uh, uh, let's hope that the a safety car if it comes out I, i'm i'm willing to bet there will be a safety car actually um I agree. so i think there I will be a safety car but i really don't want the safety car to artificially alter the race it it will be such comedically bad timing if let's say driver like verstappen's in the lead he just comes out from his his pit stop and then or just about to go in as a safety car and then oh, then you get free stops and whatever and oh just yeah. disaster it will artificially mm. ruin the race really um so yeah, uh, but this this just go all this goes back. The, these problems we're identifying of of once you're back, you can't get forward again. How pit stops matter so much. How there's no place to overtake. How you can be over eighty horsepower down and still win the race. I like to indulge in Monaco rarely. I think that's how it should how it should be. And I'd like instead of having it every year them to be like, well, we'll have Mugello this year, Monaco the year after that, and the year after that will be going to Germany for the Nürburgring. You know, these are all classic, exciting tracks with with a strong history and ties to Formula One, and they all have the capacity to be boring or interesting. And so, therefore, let's not always have the procession every year. And is it the jewel in the crown of, of Formula One? 
I don't think so. I, I think there are better tracks. The thing is on that, which was the same argument we had before, is that what Monaco does for the brand as a whole is really important because people watch it they don't usually watch it and the money again this year isn't the same but the, as you mentioned the parties and the events that happen bring in so much to the brand and to the series so i think as you say it's important to keep it going even if we don't do it every year but just really quickly and I'll, then i'll lean on to you tom because you haven't spoken for a bit um we were talking about perez just like talking back for this this year now um and how you know this is going to be key for him as well as for max because they need him badly to to you know get some good points now it's kind of getting to that point where it's like what's what's he going to do now um he needs to show something um perhaps a podium but obviously he's in that position again with this like everyone else this year this at this race where obviously it's a lot harder to move through the pack so that's what he does well Sergio Perez we've seen him do it he won, won a race from last mm-hmm. but that he again there's less opportunity for that and it's worth noting as well that his past monaco record is not that great he became um 12th in 2019 12th in 2018 13th in 2017 he did have a podium in 2016 though so that's pretty cool and then um he had a retirement in 2014 and he had a 16th in 2013 you know and then they're not even a dnf i think had a dnf like back in like 2011 so it's not his strongest place. He has got one podium there, but in general, I would say it's more negative than positive. So on that, like Tom, what do you think Perez can do? Can he do anything? Mm. See, I think Perez is actually going to get on the podium this time um, because he's shown he can have a good qualifying session. Like in Imola, for example, no one expected him to get second there. And I, I get that they're different tracks, but imagine if he could do something like that again because we know he, he can at monaco you know couple in all the factors that we spoke about the fact that monaco is so difficult to overtake out that it sort of favors those who have done well on saturday i, I can see him getting third I, I i don't want to say that he would he could win the race because i think that's just a bit delusional um you've got to go and accept that there's some sort of latitude he could easily slip down from second to third but yeah, I think this is going to be his weekend in terms of proving the critics wrong. Um, and I also think it's going to be a good weekend for the the homeboy, Charles Leclerc, who had a quite an awful 2019 uh, race, if uh, memory serves me correctly. He got a puncher, I believe, when trying to overtake one of the Renault cars uh, and then proceeded to sort of carry on at the same sort of speed. That tore up his floor, had to retire the car. Not a great sort of homecoming, if you will. But I think he's going to... Hmm, fourth. I, I think fourth for him because Ferrari's looking really strong. He's looking really strong as well in terms of the Drivers' Championship. I believe he's only a point or so off uh, Lando Norris in fourth. So he's got the momentum going into this race and he's also got like a, a point to prove. He doesn't want to repeat the humiliation he got when he returned to his uh, principality. Um, so fourth place for him. But what do you guys think in terms of who's going to actually win? That's what I'm interested to uh, to hear. We, we you know we sort of park the surprises to one to one side. Who's gonna who's gonna take the crown at Monaco? It's gonna be Lewis Hamilton. He's going to win the Monaco Grand Prix in Monaco. It's not just punching it through the track. It's about being smooth. Often the smoothest drives, the one that perhaps feel slower are actually quick you drive smooth to be fast and Hamilton is is sort of the king of doing that 
of of keeping that car calm collective taking it near the wall but just just keeping it away i hark back to the singapore pole lap in 2018 when he was so fast he he beat what mercedes's computer thought the car could go round the track <laughs> in um <laughs> and i watching that lap it is so calm collective smooth oh it's just a fantastic drive if you haven't seen that you got to take a look because it's just amazing that he, he well outperformed what computer thought he did which which shows you more about actually the driver than and the computer hamilton just nailed everything and he's very good at that he's very good at keeping calm and cool under under pressure and, and just doing what he needs to do so yeah i think it's going to be lewis hamilton i think part of the reason why max verstappen has a curse at monaco is it, the way he drives is is very well i don't want to say angry but it's it's very impassioned and he definitely does things with the car flicks it out you know you can see it he fights with it to get ekes every single last edge of performance but on normal tracks where there's forgiveness that's okay but one mistake and and a high curb here or a sausage curb there um and before you know it you've accidentally slammed into the side of swimming pool and you know that the the, the next race is going to be really difficult so yeah i think hamilton's going to nail it in quali and go on to win the race yeah, I, I would have to agree. I think um, I was going to be all like cheat and be like either this person, this person or this person. But that's not what you ask. So <laughs> I think it will be Hamilton. I think um, I'm hoping I was going to say I think, but I, I hope that Max will then split the Mercedes because I just want the championship, even if it's just the team's championship. Like, so if they could, if 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 Max can split the Mercedes, then I would say that's a solid result for him. Um, and I'd also, while well, you, you predicted Charles Leclerc, I'd quite like to see a McLaren in the top five. Um, and I, as you say, yeah, the, the Ferrari is quite fast, so I'd maybe put the Ferrari in fourth or fifth, um, and with with a McLaren in there as well, but. We'll see. We'll see. It depends. It depends how um how much mm. their special livery can help them speed oh, along. What that, what's everyone's thoughts on that? That by the livery. Way? Oh my goodness, that is amazing. I I do like it. I have a soft spot for the Ford GT, also in that color. It's just so wonderful. I re- well, I was really excited about that. I showed it to my girlfriend. And she was like, "It's just silver." I was like, it's not silver, <laughs> it's light blue and orange. Um, so I thought it was fantastic as a, as a racing nerd. Um, I think it looks amazing. In fact, mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't even register that it's the same livery pattern as their current livery. But it yeah. just looks yeah. so much nicer when orange is the highlight colour, I think. It yeah. pops it a bit more. I love the black mm. uh, sort of like edges as well. It kind of kind of reminds it it does something it looks a bit cartoony it looks fantastic and my favorite thing Mm. of all about it is on the front and on the back there is a white circle with a number let's say four in it for norris and it's so easy to see (laughs) when will the fia Mm. mandate that numbers are in a 
you know, a big white circle and blatantly obvious. Stop putting black numbers on like a black car. No one can see it. It's, it drives me nuts when you're like, who's that going off? Well, I don't know. It's definitely a um, definitely a house, but we can't tell which one. Oh, look, it's Mazepin. We don't know whether to cry or laugh. Like, just just yeah. make it obvious which car it is going off because, or, or, or whatever by, by clear, easy to see numbers. God, Christ, it, it winds me up mm. no end. So I, <laughs> And like, I know people go, well, I don't know the numbers anyway. Well, it doesn't matter. Some of us do. <laughs> Some people do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge fan, actually, of this livery that McLaren have gone for in uh, Monaco. But it does kind of annoy me that you've got this one, one sort of one-off livery for Monaco, which is great, which is nice. You know, it's harking back to the relationship that uh, McLaren did have with, with, I believe it was Gulf Oil and and will have soon, I believe. They've rekindled that relationship. And it looks very nice and, as you say, very retro with this sort of white circle and the numbers in the middle. But it annoys me because it makes me think how much time and effort has been put into that one design, that one livery, and all the sort of resources that have been pulled away from redesigning a livery for the entire season. Because, let's not kid ourselves, McLaren literally have the same livery this season as they did last season. And it confused me as to, to why that was, why they just decided not to uh, basically try to make any difference for the new season. It's because they've been putting all these resources into doing a one-off livery, which, you know, if they'd done it permanently, it'd be like, great, you know, you've, you've gone for something really retro, you've gone for something brand new, no one saw this coming along, but here we are. It's just going to be at Monaco, just for the jewel and the crown, etc., you know, to go and show off to... All those that tune in for this one race, brilliant. But it's like, it's like when a, when Red Bull do those sort of matted um, limited edition liveries. They sort of trial in, let's say, practice two um, or testing in Spain. Everyone goes, ah, could they change it this time? Could it be different? No, it's just for this one session or one day or or one race weekend. Then it's back to normality or back to the 2020 livery. So um, a huge fan, but more not well, less. On, on that though. Um, it's worth pointing out that there is a lot of negotiations when it comes to sponsorship in Formula One, and the amount of space you get on a, on a car is proportional to the amount of money you give. McLaren's McLaren's brand deals are always lots of smaller ones rather than a big one. Like for for example, Williams Martini Racing back then, right? Their their primary sponsor was was Martini. And so they had that. Uh, McLaren would need an almighty amount of sponsorship cash from Golf if they wanted to have the Golf livery on their on their car, and that's just not the way it works. So yeah, but just to make it different is my point. Uh, like, it is. It's definitely interesting you know to make I mean? it different. And I I actually would really encourage a thing about Monaco if you would like live to spice Monaco up a bit more <laughs> of of teams being like, well, we're gonna for this year's Monaco, we're we're pulling out our Oh, Ferrari being like, we're pulling out our 1960s blue delivery. Huh, yeah. Mm. Uh, that that one time they went blue. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I want more of this. But also, I understand exactly why they've only done it for one race. Because yeah. they, they can't keep keep it up for, for the rest of the season just because the, the sponsorships would be all wrong. Um, what I'm hoping for is next year with a full rule refresh... 
lots of teams take a look at their liveries and try and make them a little bit more interesting and distinguish them from each other a little bit more. And McLaren can definitely steal some ideas from this golf, golf livery to make it look mm, brilliant. Yeah. Agreed. I, I feel like I disagree with tom a little bit <laughs> just because i yeah, personally yeah. i just think that this was an absolute stroke of genius by the mclaren pr team like genuinely because it started off like it's the simple things really that they did where they invited the journalists um the f1 journalists to the factory to reveal this and to announce it about a week or so ago where was our invite i know oh, don't i know f1 journalists <laughs> i don't think i got an invite <laughs> mclaren uh-huh. so i'm sorry <laughs> Not everyone who was anyone was there. <laughs> exactly, rude. Um, but they invited F1 journalists to this event. And then, obviously, I don't know whether they said stuff to journalists or they gave them permission or they encouraged them to. But a number of journalists then said, tweeted out or posted, oh, you know, I've just been at McLaren um, for a really interesting press release, like press launch. Um, can't tell you what it is yet, but like really exciting. And so, of course, the world went mad. People go, oh my God, they're joining, like including me, like they're joining Formula E. Because they, they have actually signed up like a completely different discussion this but they have signed up as a potential per like group to join formula e from 2022 but also people saying they're joining world endurance championship which would be so good um but they uh, people absolutely started speculating and speculating and that i thought that was a genius because they were suddenly in the press do you know what i mean they they were being spoken about and then i i, uh, I read loads of people being expecting hamilton to be moving back to mclaren <laughs> and i was just wow. like what? i didn't think that <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so that was genius. And then, of course, the the whole, I think, the appeal of a one-off livery is the fact that it's one-off and it wouldn't be as exciting if they were changing this to their, as the, to their livery forever. The, the fact is, is it, it's an, it's a five races in or so. So, you know, the, the, the first excitement of their first launch, yes, as, as we've said, it wasn't a fantastic livery reveal in the sense that not much changed. Um, but, you know, they've... They're bringing themselves. They're making themselves relevant again, rather than when they were first relevant, which is when every team was relevant because everyone was doing their car launches mm. at the same time. They've now done something that none of the other teams have done, and you know, I know for a fact that probably the the teams um, were all thinking, "Oh my god, like what we're we gonna do for Monaco? Like what we're we gonna do on social? What we're we gonna do on PR? Like are we gonna um, do a different, you know, design of cars? You know, change our helmets? Are we gonna? Because like obviously for the um, Williams' anniversary, I think it's their 750th race or something like that on that, at the weekend. They're putting people's names on the car or something, some fans' names. So it's all about having a campaign for something like Monaco because, as you say, it is, you know, the jewel and the crown and it's it's so important. And, and I obviously have agreed with that. Um, they were probably desperately coming up with ideas, but McLaren has, without doubt, achieved, you know, the best one there, the one that people are talking about. So you've got to give them a round of applause, really, and... And yeah, it's a shame it's going to go back to normal, but it wouldn't really be sort of a big press stunt if it was, wasn't was a one-off, if that makes sense. But yeah, good for them. Did you see the launch video that went with it, though? It was so cool. That was that was uh, I really did not cool. Know, no. um, it, go take a look. The only thing was was it was only Norris. So uh, I was like, oh wow, Oof. Ricardo wasn't invited to this party. He's uh, <laughs> he wasn't allowed. And the um, photography that went along with it as well. Like yeah. it felt like they were shooting Lando for the Time magazine or something. Like honestly, it was so good. Like everything they thought about every aspect of it. And like I agree, Tom, it kind of is like, whoa, what a lot of resources. But in my opinion, mm. every little thing you can do to, to to stand out, you know. Yeah. I think they've done a fantastic job. And yeah, the pictures are amazing. The video is so cool. Like, and I think McLaren have done a really good job. This is just more widely speaking now, of being like cool. 
in like as yeah. a, do you know I, I don't know they're just mm. the cool they 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 could they were in danger a few years ago of not being a cool team of being an old team and being one you know that stuck stuck with their old um what where back in the day when they used to be really successful so they're clinging on to it whatever whatever and then they went a bit orange and then <laughs> but they're cool now you know they have music video kind of vibe-esque things and you know they like they're doing stuff that no other team is doing so you know good congrats to them i'm yeah i'm impressed i never thought i'd be saying this but uh but gimmicks are dangerous like i i get it like it's it's a great idea and if it all goes well for McLaren in this race weekend, they get on the podium, get fourth, fifth, whatever, uh, both score points, uh, etc. Then brilliant. But like, whenever I think back to these <laughs> these gimmick cut, uh, type things, I think back to Germany 2019 when Mercedes were too mm-hmm. busy, sort of dubbing the Lederhosen gear <laughs> and you know celebrating the the anniversary of the team and all this sort of stuff and. What happened? Well, Bottas crashed out, Hamilton finished ninth, and Max Verstappen won the race. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope it goes well. There's there's no reason why it shouldn't, but in my view, it kind of makes you think, hmm, all, all the attention may be on the wrong things uh, come this race weekend, be it from from neutrals or, I don't know, some, some of the team. Complacency, it's dangerous, very dangerous. Yeah, yeah but you have got a sample rate of one. You can't draw anything from that just because it went wrong. Well, no, for... but no, no, no. But I, I am saying whenever I think of these type of things, yeah. I'm drawn to Germany 2019, well, which makes yeah. me think something like that could happen again. I yeah, hope it, it doesn't. Could. But Abs- it's absolutely. Possible. But uh, again, this is amazing. As as Liv says, this is amazing brand recognition, and and McLaren definitely is a a cool brand now. That's why people like me are big fans of McLaren because we're quite cool. And so I have to have a, a team that's equally cool too. So McLaren has done a, a great job of, of highlighting their heritage with Bruce McLaren and and on to the and pushing themselves towards twenty first century. And that's why I think also Norris and Ricardo work really nicely in the team because they are quite cool drivers. Ric- Ricardo is is a very popular driver um, from a fan's perspective and a paddock perspective. Mm-hmm, He's just mm-hmm. a great guy. Norris is funny as well. Um, I will, and it, McLaren has, has really fostered a community of, of sort of friendship and family in their team rather than being ruthless and cutthroat like Red Bull and uh, angry and desperate like Haas. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, that's so they've done a great job and this will be really important for their longevity gimmicks you're right gimmicks are are definitely a dangerous precedent to set because it can sometimes hype you up for something you're not but i don't necessarily think this is a gimmick Uh, i think they are realizing that they're going back to monaco and they've got a good heritage there and it's time to crack out something a little bit different and spice things up in the middle of a or in the quarter of a way through a season or whatnot um because it's it's Lots of companies do this. They need to do a refresh of something. This is why Apple, for example, released a purple iPhone because they know they will get into the news and someone will talk about it. And so this is what McLaren have done. And hey, what's happening now? We've dedicated the last 10 minutes to talking about some colours on a car. So it's fantastic. It's brilliant. And then I'm going to be thoroughly enjoying them going around the track. I just just want McLaren to look at their their livery in the future. They please stay orange though. Like keep their dot on the track as orange because I'll be so angry if we have another blue. Um <laughs> and to be fair as well, they've got Daniel Ricardo who I, th- I believe his most successful track is Monaco. I believe he scored 
85 points I read, I believe, um, at that track. So this is a big favourite for him. So, yeah, I mean, he's the driver you want in many ways if you're, aside from Lewis Hamilton or Max, uh, Max Verstappen. But, um, but yeah, so I could could well be uh, proved wrong on my fears dispelled when you couple a sort of uh, McLaren team with momentum, eyes on them, and Daniel Ricciardo, and um, could do very well. Maybe a podium, you never know. And so ends episode 8 of F1 in Review. Listeners to this will already know what happened in Practice 1 and Practice 2, but we get to see what will happen in Practice 3, qualifying, and indeed the race. We yet to see, of course, what will happen in terms of who will win, who will surprise, and who will disappoint. But we'll be back in due course next week to discuss what happened, what didn't happen, and what all this means for the calendar and for the Constructors' and Drivers' Championship moving forward to the season. Until next time, thank you very much for listening.